2: It's not exactly a rematch. Former Cook County Commissioner Richard Boykin never officially challenged County Board President Tony Preckwinkle for her job four years ago, but he was a vocal critic and a political nemesis of hers when it came to board actions. But the two of them are going head-to-head this time in the Democratic primary, and we'll hear from both this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle's re-election bid this year has her facing Oak Park attorney Richard Boykin. He was on the board from 2014 to 2018, then he lost the seat to Brandon Pope. He's nevertheless been a continuing critic of the incumbent and her policies, especially criticizing her on the issue of crime. This weekend, we'll hear from both of the candidates, and we'll start with Richard Boykin. We spoke via Zoom conferencing. I asked Boykin for his reasons why he feels Tony Preckwinkle needs to be replaced.
0: Well, there are several things, Craig. First of all, she's been in office now for 11 and a half years. Uh, Our communities look horrible. Uh, When you look at the fact that gun violence, carjacking, retail thefts, all of these things are terrorizing our neighborhoods. Uh, Our children are literally dying in the streets and families are not getting justice. When you look at the fact that there's a mass exodus for the doors at Cook County, 90,000 people left Cook County last year, according to the Census Bureau. The number one reason cited as to why they left was high taxation. So she came in in 2010 to reverse the penny Stroger tax. Uh, It took her two years to reverse it, but then she brought that penny back and then some she brought the regressive soda pop tax, which I helped lead the effort to defeat. Um, Got rid of the uh, tax on feminine hygiene products as well. And so the reasons why I think though that uh, people are going to oust her is because it's been a total failure of leadership. In fact, she doesn't even wanna be a county board president. Three years ago, she ran for mayor. She wants to be mayor of Chicago. And four years ago, Craig, she said that that would be her last term as county board president. But all of a sudden now she wants to be county board president again. This is all about nothing more than her wanting to hold on to power as the head of the Democratic Party in Cook County. People need someone who cares about them. The people in the Southland and North uh, suburbs are paying some of the highest property taxes uh, known to mankind uh, we're paying the highest sales tax in the United States of America. She's made Cook County an island of taxation where we're the highest tax county in the six county region, uh, higher taxes here than in Indiana and the state of Wisconsin. So people look for alternatives to go to those places to buy their, purchase their goods and services. We want people stand here in Cook County. I'm going to get our fiscal house in order. I'm going to make sure that we have safe neighborhoods and safe, Uh, streets. uh, So people aren't fearful of going downtown. I'm going to collaborate in a way with the mayor of Chicago that she's failed, especially as it relates to resolving uh, violence. I'm going to go up, go to the meetings and show up. She's a member, a statutory member of ICJA, the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority that is responsible for public safety plans throughout the state. She went to one meeting in the last four years. She sent somebody one time in the last four years. I will attend those meetings. I will participate on behalf of the people of Cook County. I'm concerned very much about public safety. And Craig, she's been totally inhospitable to the business community. Uh, She hasn't talked to them. She hasn't asked what they need. She hasn't worked with them to grow our businesses in Cook County. In fact, there's been a mass exodus. So I think that when you look at her leadership and on healthcare, she's failed, too. She's failed on COVID-19 and that leadership. Uh, we've had uh, 15,000 people die uh, from COVID-19, probably many of them unnecessarily. We've had the highest death rate from COVID in the six-county region, 1.27% of the people in Cook County have died from COVID. And maybe it's because we're not healthier than people who live in DuPage County, Lake County, Will County, McHenry County, and other surrounding counties. But I will make sure that we're strong physically in our bodies and in our mind. I will invest in a way that she has not in terms of behavioral health and mental health services and trauma care for people who are traumatized in neighborhoods where we have excessive levels of gun violence, high unemployment, high poverty, these kinds of things. So she's failed in that regard. And of course, uh, the University of Wisconsin did a study in terms of the 102 counties in Illinois and the healthcare systems. They gave, uh, they ranked in six areas, six categories of wellness and Cook County ranked three. They, they, they ranked in three of the six categories near last or at the very bottom. And in only one category were we at the top. And LeapFrog actually looked at our healthcare system and other healthcare systems in Illinois, and they ranked Cook County Health and Hospital System with a grade of a C a C, that's average. Last year, we got a C, that's average. In my book, that's not doing stellar work as the executive of the county that's responsible for two things primarily, public safety and public health, and making sure that we meet the needs of the the, the people in our county who are poor and who are impoverished and who are most needy. We aren't doing that right now. There are people today, as I stand before you, Craig, who are actually starving. There are people who are sleeping under bridges and viaducts in tents. We aren't meeting their needs. I will. She's forgotten about those people. I will not forget about them. I will stand with them, and I will prioritize them in a way that this administration has not.
2: Let's talk about uh, those two big issues, health care and public safety. Uh, first, how much actual power does the county government have to reduce crime as opposed to the Sheriff's Department, the state's attorney, the courts, and frankly, also the Chicago Police Department? Because some of those statistics that you're quoting include Chicago, which is a different jurisdiction.
0: Yeah, so Chicago was a part of Cook County. It happens to be the largest municipality of the 132 municipalities uh, inside of uh, Cook County. Well, let me say this, that uh, we have a major role to play as the county executive who provides the sheriff with his budget. The county board does. And who provides that budget? The president does. Who provides the state's attorney with her budget? The county board does. Who provides the clerk of the circuit court with her budget? The county board does. Who provides the chief judge with his budget? The county board does. Now, Here's, here's how you know we got the power to do it, Craig. So she always touts the fact that she led the effort to reduce the jail population. Well, you would think that's the sheriff, right? The sheriff is responsible for the jail. The chief judge responsible for the jail. Well, no, she led the effort. I'm glad they have voted for it to reduce the jail population from 10,000 to about 5,500. So that's criminal justice reform. She touts the fact that she got rid of uh, cash bail for people. you know, who are seeking to bond out. Well, I would say this, that I voted for that, but I voted to let people out who are in on misdemeanors only, not people who have gun charges. That is a total failure. That's a total disaster. So she touts the fact on criminal justice reform uh, of how she's had this big grandiose role. But what about public safety? What about making sure people are safe in their neighborhoods? What about making sure people are safe to go downtown? Two thirds of the people, according to Block Club Chicago, feel unsafe in Cook County right now. There were people who were afraid to go downtown because of what happened at the Chicago Theater. What happened at State in Chicago, right in front of the McDonald's, the mass shooting uh, just recently. And so when you get people, Craig, who are afraid to go downtown, or when you get people who are fearful, then that cuts into your budget. That cuts into sales tax revenue, which the county depends on in order to balance the budget. And so it's a big issue. Last year, we had over a thousand people uh, killed in Cook County, the highest number, Craig, in 27 years. Over a thousand people killed, the highest number in 27 years. Do you know that our Cook County medical examiner that we provide the budget for has to do a autopsy on every individual killed in Cook County? They have to do an autopsy. Whether they're killed in Harvey, killed in Dalton, killed in uh, Chicago, it does not matter. So we're automatically involved in it. We spend billions of dollars fighting gun violence. The average gunshot case in Cook County Hospital starts at about $55,000. If it's a gunshot wound where somebody's shot in the back and they're paralyzed, that case can be a million dollar case. And so yes, county resources are involved. When I was a county commissioner in 2014, I asked the sheriff, I said, Sheriff Dart, can you police in Chicago? He said, sure, but I need to be invited in to police in Chicago. And so I set up a meeting with the acting superintendent of police and Sheriff Dart, we met at MacArthur's and that began the relationship that's existed today where we got policing now provided by the Cook County Sheriff's Police and Chicago Police Department working alongside each other. They set up a a command center in Austin. It was part of my district first. Now they got one in River North uh, to help up in River North with some of uh, the police up there. So, yeah, the county board executive is involved, but if she went to the meeting, she would understand that. As county board executive, what I would do differently than what she has done is I would convene all of the public safety stakeholders, including the mayor of Chicago, the superintendent of police from Chicago, the governor, and the state police director, and I would say, how can we utilize our budgets together to drive down this violence? What can we do? And we got an $8.1 billion budget in Cook County. We're spending an awful lot of money on violence prevention, awful lot of money on the violence itself. It seemed to me it made good sense to save that money and figure out how do we work in tandem to bring the violence down? The problem is, Kirk, she's not a collaborator. She won't collaborate with the mayor of Chicago because they ran against each other for mayor and they don't like each other. and so. You know, I'm a bridge builder. I work with anybody. I work with the mayor of Chicago. I work with the mayor of Harvey. I work with the mayor, of uh, other jurisdictions around our our county, and I won't just uh, put policies on them uh, and mandates on them without their input. I will work with them.
2: Uh, and on the last thing, uh, um, and because this is something that is uh, is being brought up, uh, you've reportedly received donations from some gas stations that participated in uh, mayoral candidate Willie Wilson's gasoline giveaway. Uh, You've joined him in some of his campaign appearances. What should voters take away from those connections uh, with you and him?
0: Well, I think what they should take away is that, uh, one, uh, my only regret is that not all 60-some-odd gas stations that participated made a contribution to my campaign, I think only a handful did. Uh, but you have to also understand, Craig, that, that these people understand that um, I'm the guy who got rid of the soda pop tax. I led the effort to get rid of the soda pop tax. Uh, I voted against the sales tax uh, increase that made us the highest in the nation. Um, I'm a business friendly a Democrat, because I understand it takes businesses to employ people in neighborhoods and to be an economic engine in our neighborhoods. So I think that's why they supported my campaign. I'm proud to have the support of uh, Dr. Willie Wilson uh, for our campaign. I think that uh, I don't know anybody on planet earth who's given away $3.2 million in free gasoline and free food just most recently, uh, to individuals who are in need. I wish the county government would be more uh, proactive in terms of helping those people who are in need. That's why, again, I call for President Preckwinkle to suspend on a temporary basis the gas tax. That will provide some short term relief for individuals who are struggling to pay these high prices in gasoline and the high food prices. Just take it a step further and also suspend the sales tax county portion on food as well. Uh, because we need re- relief there.
2: That's Oak Park lawyer Richard Boykin, a Democratic candidate for Cook County Board President. You are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're focusing on the candidates for board president this weekend. Next, we'll hear from the incumbent Tony Preckwinkle. She was a Chicago alderman before she ran for the board presidency, and we met at the offices of the Cook County Democratic Party. Preckwinkle is the chair of that powerful political organization. I asked her to address Richard Boykin's suggestion that 12 years as board president are enough.
1: Well, I'm very proud of my record over the last decade. You know, when we came into office, we were facing a fiscal crisis, a budget gap of $487 million, almost 500 500- million dollars, half a billion dollars. And over the first couple of years in office, we worked very hard to get our finances in order, because I think being fiscally responsible is the, the first responsibility of anybody who's going to be a good steward. And after we kind of got our finances in, in better shape, uh, although we've continued to work on that, um, we began to address some of the substantive challenges that the county has faced. First and foremost, health care, Half of our budget is healthcare. We have an $8 billion budget the last couple of years. Half of that is, is healthcare. And we worked hard to increase access to healthcare, improve the quality of care that we delivered, and put our healthcare system on a good financial footing. About 30% of our budget is criminal justice, the jail, and our court system. You know, when I came into office, <clears throat> there were 11,000 people in the jail on a daily basis. A lot of them there for low-level offenses misdemeanors, not felonies. Things like uh, low-level drug offenses, not paying their child support, shoplifting. We kept people in jail who were accused of shoplifting because they couldn't pay even nominal cash bonds. Um, At the cost, by the way, to the county of $162 a day. That's what it costs us to keep somebody in jail. So we worked hard with all the stakeholders beginning in about 2013. The chief judge, the sheriff, the state's attorney, the public defender, and the clerk of the court we worked hard with all of them to try to figure out how we could improve the delivery of justice in Cook County. And I'm I'm very grateful to all of those stakeholders for their good work. We now have a jail population that is about 6,000, so it's almost been cut in half. And those people who are accused of more serious crimes are the ones that are in, in jail. And I think it's important for everybody to remember that our jail is overwhelmingly people accused, not convicted of crimes. They are detainees. They're not prisoners. If you're convicted of a crime, you go to the De- Illinois Department of Corrections, but our jail is for pretrial detention. pre-trial detention, um, and I'm I'm proud of the work we've done to reduce the number of people. You know, if you're wealthy, you could pay the hundred, the five hundred, the thousand dollar bond. But if you're a poor person and you couldn't pay it, again, you're not you're not convicted. You're accused only. You you stayed in jail until your case was adjudicated. So that I'm grateful for the support we've gotten for that good work. And the third thing that I, that I always try to talk about is the fact that in addition to our legacy responsibilities in public health and public safety, I've also focused on economic development, and the county wasn't really a, an actor, an important player in that arena. We had departments of community development, uh, capital development, building and zoning, but they didn't work together, and I'm proud of the fact that we created – put together a department and and got everybody to work together in previously siloed uh, entities to have a comprehensive um, economic development strategy for Cook County. And we focused uh, on the Southland because what I learned early on was those regions of the country that have the least inequality are the most economically vibrant. And one of the challenges in Cook County and northeastern Illinois is tremendous inequality. And the part of our county that's most challenged is the Southland, the south suburbs. So we've devoted a lot of resources there. Um, infrastructure investments, investments in affordable housing, uh, investments in the creation of a, of a development authority so we could have an entity that's focused on attraction and retention of businesses there. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of all that good work. Um, so, Getting the fiscal house in order, working on improving the quality of health care we deliver, improving um, our criminal justice system, and then trying to focus more on economic development um, are all things I'm proud of. Well, let's let's
2: talk a little bit about criminal justice reform, because obviously with crime being as elevated as it has been over the last uh, uh, year or so, uh, it's a topic that a lot of people are interested in. Um, obviously the fear of a lot of people is that people who are dangerous will get out before they are adjudicated, and so And there are still complaints about that, that sometimes people are uh, still dangerous and back out on the streets. What kind of assurances or what can more can be done to limit the number of people who are going to commit more mayhem and violence?
1: Well, if you recall, in 2016, we had a really difficult year in Chicago and Cook County. There was a spike in shootings and murders. And the philanthropic community and government got together um, to try to address that challenge. Uh, Both the city and and the county put more money into violence prevention, anti-recidivism efforts that's trying to keep people who've been in jail or prison from going back, and then restorative justice work trying to um, settle some of these Uh, minor crimes in communities rather than putting them in the criminal justice system. So, 2016 we saw a spike in violence, 2017, 2018, 2019, as a result of the concerted efforts of both the philanthropic community and government, we saw declines in violent crime. And then the pandemic hit. And all across the country, not just in Chicago, there was just a almost a vertical increase in crime. Um, The 15 largest cities in the country all experienced dramatic increases in murders and, and shootings. Um, and, and carjackings. Um, you know, and what I, what I try to say is, you know, this is an indication of how stressful this was on everybody. You know, we saw upticks in, in people struggling with mental illness. Um, we saw, as I said, increases in violent crimes. I don't know about you, but I see a lot more people driving crazy. Um, you know, there's a lot more graffiti. I mean, I, 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 I usually say, you know, the society is kind of fraying at the edges under all these stresses. It's not just the the, the, the deaths and the illnesses from the pandemic, but the economic collapse and the insecurity that created for people. Not only um, people losing their jobs, people having their work hours reduced, lots of people struggling with paying their mortgage or their rent, food insecurity. I mean, all, every every challenge that you can think of to a community we endured over the last couple years, and I know that people are concerned about the violence, you know, one of members of my detail somebody tried to carjack him right outside my house. I mean, this is not it's not something from which I, you know, I'm unfamiliar. But I think we have to understand that we have to deal with this both locally in terms of local police interactions with communities and we have to have a longer term strategy to invest in the communities that are the most violent because of the same communities that have under-resourced schools, high levels of unemployment, high levels of poverty. Um, Unless we have both an immediate strategy of police activity and a a medium and long-term strategy of trying to rebuild and sustain communities that are struggling, we're not going to be able to address it. And I would also point out, you know, black and brown communities have been struggling with high levels of violence for a very long time. What's What's unique about the present moment is for the last couple of years, that violence has spread and spilled out into communities that have not previously had that experience, and that's been tremendously challenging to those folks.
2: Uh, how much uh, cooperation is there among uh the chicago whether it's the police department and uh, and and agencies and the county to uh to have a coordinated response to the crime
1: well the american rescue plan act resources a billion dollars for cook county 2 billion for the city and 16 billion dollars for the state have been a tremendous resource for investing in community-based organizations that are struggling at the grassroots level to deal with the violence and the the city and the county and the state have been meeting for months to try to be sure that the investments we make are complementary rather than duplicative, uh, and that work will continue and i I find that very encouraging um so i'm I'm grateful for the fact that we're cooperatively looking at how we make these investments because you know. <laughs> This is more resources than, than local governments have had at any time since the Great Depression, so for almost 100 years. Um, and let me just say for, for the county and I can't speak for others you know we have been working closely with academics at Loyola University, and we have plans to work with, with other educational institutions to look at the impacts of the work we're doing. And the Loyola, Loyola research, for example, has said that it's not uh, cash bond changes in our cash bond policies or changes in electronic monitoring that have been the cause of the spikes in violence. As a matter of fact, we saw these downward trends, 2017, 2018, 2019, as we were instituting some of these uh, criminal justice reforms, we saw these downward trends until the pandemic. And the pandemic has just turned everything upside down.
2: Let's talk about the economy, because when people aren't complaining about the crime, they're complaining about uh, prices, either at the pump or at the uh, in the in in the stores. And and, uh, when we spoke with uh, Richard Boykin, he uh, said this is the highest taxed county in the country. And uh, among other things, he's calling for a suspension of the gas tax. Uh, For people who may not see exactly or know the ins and outs of how government works, that sounds like a pretty good idea. What do you say to people when someone says, we can lower your taxes on gasoline, the county portion?
1: Well, first of all, let me just say, you know, the macroeconomic challenges that we face are local units of government can have very little impact on them. (laughs) Uh, The President of the United States even is having, you know, difficulty uh, dealing with the the high levels of inflation that we face. These are global conditions. It's not just us that's facing here in the United States, it's facing high levels of inflation, supply chain issues. It's it's everywhere in the country, uh, everywhere in the world. So, that's that's the first thing. You know, the second thing is we've got some real challenges in this country around infrastructure. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, if, <laughs> if you drive down our streets, you know, clearly we got pothole problems and repaving issues. And the principal resource that we have to deal with infrastructure is motor fuel taxes. And if we decide that we're not going to collect motor fuel taxes, taxes. We don't have the resources to fix the infrastructure. And the infrastructure is the basis of the economy. You know, the poorest countries in the world don't have good roads. They don't have good rail access. They don't get, have good airports. If, you, if you're if you a developed country, you have to invest in your infrastructure if you're going to uh, maintain your standard of living and economic conditions that, that promote growth. So, you know, I think it's just pandering, saying the couple cents that the county charges on, on gas tax is pretty modest, and, but it's an important resource collectively for the county to address the infrastructure needs that we have. So I, my thought is, frankly, that you know, suggesting that we reduce the gas tax is a bit, you know, is misguided and bad public policy.
2: Let me ask you as the last thing, What's, what, what are the next priorities? Is it, is it just a matter of getting through what we're going through right now, or are there some things that are on a, your to-do list?
1: Well, you know, we're going to make the investments that we've always made in infrastructure and affordable housing and social services. But there are three things that I, I've talked about that we're going to use, our American Rescue Plan Act money, the federal resources for, which I think are potential to be transformative. The first is we're going to dramatically increase our investments in mental health behavioral health services. For 180 years, we've had a public health system, but we focused almost entirely on physical health. And we're going to have a behavioral health department. We're going to staff it up. We're going to do an asset inventory, figure out what the needs are, and then try to help fill them as government. And we know, for example, that we don't have enough inpatient beds for people who are struggling with mental illness, especially young people, especially children. So that's one example, but we're going to invest more in behavioral health. We talked a couple weeks ago about a guaranteed income pilot Um, You know, 50 years ago Martin Luther King said we ought to have guaranteed income in this country. You know, we need to support our residents, particularly residents who are struggling. And we're going to be able to assist 3,250 families in a two-year pilot and we've committed to continue the program with county resources after the federal money uh, is gone. So behavioral health investments guaranteed income, and then medical debt. The, the, the principal reason that ordinary working people declare bankruptcy is they can't pay their medical t- bills. So we're going to intervene in that process, um, work with the providers and collection agencies, and, and uh, help people wipe out their medical debt and restore their financial stability. So I'm I'm enthusiastic about the opportunities that are in front of us. As I said, these are historic federal investments in our residents and local governments, and I look forward to working with the Board of Commissioners to implement some transformative plans.
2: That was incumbent Cook County Board President Toni Preckwinkle. She faces Richard Boykin in the Democratic primary for that job on June 28th. I would like to thank both of the candidates for speaking with me. To our listeners, if you like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website, WBBMNewsRadio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM.